Hey everybody, welcome back. It's the My Pilgrimage podcast. We're going to do episode three today. Uh, episode three, what and why we believe. It's a little windy up here today, so if you hear a little wind in the background, I apologize for that. <laughs> this is where we get into the hard stuff. You know, the first, first one about, you know, medication and then language, the second episode. But when we get into belief systems, when we get into how belief systems as structures hold us in place, they hold our pain in place, they hold some of the good stuff, some of the bad stuff, but that our, the structures of our belief systems are essentially the things, those kind of psychological constructs that we create in order to have what we have, in order to, to, to feel the security or insecurity that we feel. That's what we get into today. So the conversation on the video is going to be between Seth and Adam, and they're talking about some pretty deep stuff. Um, and then Seth and I get into pretty deep into religion and kind of the function of those things. Without further ado, here's Seth and Adam discussing what and why we believe episode three. We'll see you on the other side. So in chapter three, we approach belief. We're talking about the kind of the three elements of belief. And it starts with what you believe, and then it's why you believe. And we talk a lot about belief in the church, and we talk a lot about belief in this whole experience of dealing with pornography and with addiction. And I think it's time that every Christian has to be willing to look at their belief system and ask a deeper question of, why do I believe this? And then even beyond that. But, you know, when I was wrestling with the porn addiction, I'd kind of come to this point where I was the classic white Christian porn addict that, you know, had believed a very orthodox system my entire life. I never really questioned those things, partly because I wasn't allowed to because of the nature of those beliefs. But you come to this point where you go, my beliefs have, for some reason haven't freed me, but I have them and I need them and they kind of hold me in some way. And so I started asking the question, why do I believe these things? And why does, why does everybody else seem to kind of have these nuanced differences in beliefs and some way beyond nuance? There's Christians all over the world that have different beliefs about different things. So you start asking why. And then partly that's because I was saying, why do I feel like I need to believe this? Right? So I started asking why and came to that point where I started to realize I had everything to do with my story. It wasn't just because it was true. You ask a lot of people why you believe something, they say, well, it's true. You know, but yeah, but he believes something different. Why do you believe that? And it has everything to do with this story, which is partly where you live, partly where you were born, how you were raised, partly their story, the tragedies, these kind of things. And then I started to approach it from a different level. But what I do seems to be different than what I believe, you know, which rings a bell with Apostle Paul when he says, why do I do the things I hate, but the things I do want to do, I don't, yeah. you know, and he talks about this idea of sin dwelling in him, this thing in him that makes him do the things he doesn't actually want to do. And I started to realize, like, it seems like what I do are the things I really believe, you know. So I asked, well, why do I really believe those things? Why do I believe this? Some part of me believes that pornography is the best thing for me. Why? You know, why do I believe that? And I started looking at my story. It seemed that I believed that porn was the best thing for me, which is why I did that every time. Yeah, I believe that too. Yeah, I remember when I when I first uh, wrote the first draft of the book, I was thinking about aliens. And like, if aliens came down from space and they observed my life, just to try to figure out what I believe. They don't talk to me. They're just behind the scenes. They're just saying, we got to figure out what this guy believes. They would have come up with some pretty wacky things. Mm -hmm. And I probably would have tried to argue with them. I don't believe that. They would say, well, you obviously believe porn is the best thing for you every single day. You need to get a hit at least a day once a day 
And you obviously believe that if you just scream louder, your your wife will finally understand you. And you know, if you, you know, you obviously believe sports are incredibly important for some reason. Like it's a big deal if they win or lose. And and I wouldn't have been able to really argue with them because everything about what I say is is saying that. So the question for me became, why is this my real belief system? So you keep using the word belief, and I know. Um, growing up in the church, um, belief means something very specific right. to me. Um, you know, we talked about language and how language matters and language is really important. So I think a lot of people, myself included, um, would, would synonymize unintentionally, would, would call belief, the words belief and faith right. to mean the same thing. Right. So, but you would say that's not necessarily yeah. accurate. Yeah, not necessarily. Yeah, I, I think that the way that belief and faith is understood, they've always been understood as kind of the same thing. And a lot of that has to do with the way we read the scriptures. But, but it seems that faith seems to have power. And belief doesn't seem to have any power. Right? Maybe out beyond our own psychology, you know. I mean, the, belief can drive you into an action, right? So the way you see faith played, you know, when Jesus would heal someone, then he says, your faith has made you well, you know. Or you see you, people like Thomas, you know, I, I can't, I, can, I can't believe. So we, where's your faith? You know, Peter's sinking in the water. He's walking out on the where is your faith? You know, they weren't saying you stop believing. It was that, that, you know, and this idea of why did you doubt is that do you have the courage to, to, to look around you what you see and then walk into the unknown? And I think that's what faith is. So somebody, you know, these, the disciples come to Thomas and they say, we've seen the Lord. And he said, I won't believe it till I see it. And, it, and he didn't have the courage to actually walk into the story. And the fear that he had around that story, what if it's not true? You know, and actually examine that. It becomes a deep sense of inner examination. We look at ourselves. You know, you and I were talking earlier. You said Socrates said that the unexamined life isn't worth living. I think that has everything to do with faith. When we look at ourselves, it's curiosity about what, why, why do I believe or not believe, and then the courage to walk into that. I mean, we talk about healing. God can heal. But how many of us actually experience it? And are we willing to walk with courage into that doubt and that fear and that pain? And so when we talk about why we believe things, we have to finally approach that because we'll never, we'll never be able to actually honestly approach it and really get into our pain until we can go, okay, there's a reason that I, the things I do is what I actually believe. Mm-hmm. And do I have the courage to walk into the questions of why I actually believe that? So I think that's a really important thing. And for a long time for me, um, I kind of knew what I believed, but if I, once I started examining that, um, I... And I began to ask myself the question, well, why do I believe this? I realized that the why was because, well, that's what I grew up in. That's what what my parents told me to believe. Um, And, you know, my parents were doing wonderful things and doing the best they could to raise a a child who would love Jesus. But I realized I never chose those beliefs for myself. They were handed down to me from on high. And Mm -hmm. so that began an examination of, well, what do I really believe? And when I weigh these things, how truthful do they feel to me? And then, so now my why I believe, after going through that process and looking looking past those fears, um, you know, now I can... I understand why I believe things because I've tested them yeah. and I've chosen to believe them right. as opposed to having them placed upon me. Right. Right. And the hard, the hard part about that is this, is that can we, uh, can we hold our beliefs in a, a way that's respectful enough of them that we don't require other people to always come to those things, right? Absolutely. Because you believe these things because of the story you've lived. Yeah. Right? You live the life and they've brought you to this place. And can we, can we allow someone else to have their story 
that's brought them to their place. Mm -hmm. And we start to realize everyone's playing their cards the best they can. Yeah. And they were given this story and they've lived this thing and they've come to these beliefs and we, we're so quick to say, but you're wrong. You know, instead of being able to actually allow people to walk into their story. And I think the key to it is when we look at our lives and we start asking the question, what do we really want? Mm -hmm. You know, what kind of life do I really want to live? All of us in the church that have been struggling with, with, with pornography addiction, I mean, it's a crisis. And if, and, and if we can't start to go, why do we believe this is the best thing for us? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because like, I mean, probably everybody even watching this film can go, I, no, it's not. I know it's not. Mm -hmm. well, no, you don't. Yeah. A part of you does. And a part of you doesn't. Yeah. Can we go there? Can we walk into that and, and accept that that's it's not something we need to worry about God striking us with lightning. I think God is 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 very much invested in bringing us into those places, you know, into those places where we can really examine ourselves. So we, when we look at what Jesus would say, we would heal someone and he would say, your faith has made you well. We have to acknowledge that there's an element of us in that and us walking into our struggles and walking into the places where we doubt. Um, it's very much that examined life concept. We have to be able to, to face that stuff um, in an entirely new way. So that was a discussion with you and Adam talking about what and why we believe in the end. I don't want to you know, presume that a lot of the guys that are, that are listening or a lot of the people that are listening have kind of read beyond or whatever and everybody's wrestling. But one thing I definitely want to say, I want to ask you just a question right off the bat. Yeah. Um, are you trying to change people's religion? Are you trying to get them not to believe in Jesus anymore? Right. Yeah. That's Well, there's a, everyone when they start seeking freedom, that's the big thing, right? A guy posted on the Facebook page today. And everyone asks, this is really interesting, this is probably the most common question that people come to when they start seeking real freedom, is why did Jesus have to die? You know, because oh. that, that's the crux. That's the crux of the Christian religion. Why did he have to die if we're okay already? Right? If everything's in us and we're okay, and no matter what, God's love has never shifted and will never shift. You know, he comes on, he asks that question. So, so the biggest question that people really get into is this question, why did Jesus die? What were the, the, the kind of the core principles of the Christian religion, right? If, and, and this is what's crazy about it, the idea of grace. If we are okay, no matter what, if we're okay. Like last week, I, I remember on the podcast, I talked about uh, Bonhoeffer, right? When he was talking about his religionless Christianity that he was outlining when he was in the Nazi prison camp, right? And he's talking about this, perhaps a true Christian impulse is to live in the world as if God doesn't exist. Right. And, and that everyone comes to that space. So when you ask me like whether I'm trying to get people, I'm not, I'm actually asking, I'm kind of saying the same thing that mother Teresa said. So one of mother Teresa's main teachings, she said, if you are a Christian, become a better Christian. If you are a Muslim, become a better Muslim. If you are a Jew, become a better Jew. If you are a Hindu, become a better Hindu. And she said this because she was saying that everyone every impulse on the planet that is moving towards god is being guided by this thing we call grace there is a special grace given to those of us that seek jesus put it this way he says seek and you will find knock and the door will be given will be open to you yeah right and so what i am trying to simply get people to do is seek because i trust with every fiber of my being that the spirit is leading us 
you know, like it says in first John, like we don't need anyone to teach us the spirit lead us into all truth, which means if a person is teaching you and you're hearing truth and it's leading you, if guys are hearing the truth in this and they're going, man, I, I want this. I, I, there was a great post today. Guy was talking about how he was doing this devotional and it was about run to Jesus, run, 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 run to the cross, run to forgiveness, run. You're a piece of crap. So run. And he was just like, I'm so tired of running. Like if you're feeling truth in this idea that you're actually okay, you can stop running now. And you always were, you just didn't know it then yeah, it has huge theological implications for you. Huge. But what if it's just that radical? And what if Jesus was trying to show us something different than it wasn't, he wasn't trying to pay some price that the father demanded. Ah, so you are trying to change my theology. I'm trying to get you, I'm trying to get you to become a deeper, a live, live a deeper existence. Yes. Now, okay. will that change your theology? Yeah, probably. Well, okay. So then let's talk about that in terms of the mechanics of what, and why and why does and how does addiction kind of play into because you and Adam were having a discussion about about that about that kind of you know how how does a narrative I mean it, it, we're talking psychology a bit but if you it, the thing about that's crazy about this about religion and theology attached to addiction I remember I I remember this very clearly with Floyd when he and I think we did write about this in the book when he said he said to me one day, cause I was talking, this is when I was first kind of doing this work and starting to really find some healing. And then, then these questions were starting to pop up cause I was a very religious person and I was going, I was just, this doesn't make sense. I, I'm feeling so much freedom, but I didn't get this at a church and I didn't get this kind of through my religious paradigm. I'm just, and I was confused. He says to me and I jokingly and, and wisely now that I see it, he says, are you saved? And I said, <laughs> And he said it just with that, you know, that little side smile that he does under his mustache. Oh, yeah. And I, I said, uh, yeah. And he goes, no, you're not. Just, <laughs> no, you're not. What are you saved from? Because you're trying, you're suicidal. You're addicted to pornography and alcohol. It's just, you're not saved. And I just was. You know, it was again going back to last week talking about. You started twitching. Yeah, well, it was going back to the <laughs> last week idea of language, this word right. saved and what it meant. Right, right. What it meant distinctly was that when I die, I get to go to heaven because I said a prayer when I was like seven, and, I, and that means I get to go. And he, and he was going, and he had just he had taken that, again, that paradigm and going, uh, oh, you're, you're not. Look at, look at your life. You're miserable. There is no difference between you and anyone else that's trying, that's thinking about putting a gun to your head and you're not saved from anything. And it's such a, it was a weird thing to look back and go that my whole, I had this weird narrative that said, if I die, even if I blow my own brains out, I get to go to heaven. So that's good. Oh, but this life has led me to this end point where I'm done. I don't want to do it anymore because it's so miserable. It was never this concept that salvation was a real time concept that it was happening that, that Jesus could have possibly meant salvation to be a real-time thing and, and so this is interesting because i had a discussion i got an email from a gentleman in quebec um who, who had a long 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 thing on theology and everything that was kind of wrong with my pilgrimage and when did you get this oh like wow five six days ago yeah we had a little email conversation back and forth about 
kind of, and I was just trying to, trying to ask about him and like his journey and where he's at and stuff like that. But he was really only interested in kind of fixing our theology, the, the theological, which just, just for the record, my pilgrimage does not advocate a theology. That's not why we're here. We're not here to advocate for any what we're here is and what we're truly interested in is exactly what I did with him. I'm interested in, in his story. Right. And so I was kind of coming back to his story. Yeah, we're, we're, we're not about a theology or is we're about a framework of sorts, yeah. but we yeah. could say that a framework is a theology in some senses, but right. what we're trying to do is create a framework that allows for an exploration yes. of the deeper questions. Yeah, yeah exactly. It, there is a, there's a, almost a, an, a scientific exploration of the spirit and understanding that we all have body, we have spirit, most Christians and in, in, in other religions and people believe this to an extent, we're actually saying it's a real thing. It's a useful thing. It's a tool that we can use. And so is in as much as you can form a theology around that, that's the thing that we're kind of talking about. Our, our roots are Christian. Our roots are, our framework comes back to Jesus and it comes back to that kind of history. This guy, this guy was obviously he was, he was explaining that in the last, and so we had several emails back and forth. And the last one I'd asked him was, is like, you know, so if all of this is what you're saying is correct, then, then what about your addiction? You know, what about that? Did not want to go there. Didn't want to have a discussion about living addiction free, about not being an addict anymore. Right. He, he, because his theology was so set in cement and his framework and his belief system was so set in cement that it, it was, you got the sense it was too scary. It's too scary to let go. It's too scary to doubt. It, it's really, really terrifying for people to kind of, I think, just allow themselves to go, uh, maybe my belief system, maybe my theology is actually part of the problem. It's part of the thing that keeps me embedded in that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think Adam in the, in the discussion and really kind of recognized that it was for him. Yeah. yeah. You know? And I think that's why you do see so many guys that whose theologies, I mean, we've seen the whole spectrum, right? We've seen people have gone and just blown up everything that they believed. We've yeah. seen people that have not really, but still continue to, you know, that they've, they've still church going. I've actually seen some people we've, I've seen some people go deep, like go from being not religious and not Christian into Christianity. Okay. Explain that then, because if we're talking about what, why we believe, how, how, why is the process for everyone so individualized? Yeah. Why yeah. is it that way? In your well, that's because, because it's, it's the nuance and complexity of the construction of a human being. You know, it's, it's a little bit like the discussion we're seeing with all the whole Black Lives Matter thing right now. You know, it's such a huge discussion. And, and, and very few people are willing to actually address the complexity of how we became this way. Right. But, you know, I mean, Adam did it so beautifully in that video because he just simply went, well, I believe this because I was taught that. Right. <laughs> really, I was taught that. I remember having a, a discussion with one of our nieces and she was saying some stuff about, well, you know, the, you know I think this because of the Bible. And I go. Okay, and why do you believe that the Bible is that your interpretation of that is the thing? She goes, "Well, because the Bible is all true. It's all true, or it's none of it's true." I go, "I said, can you see that you are saying that to me not because you actually understand it?" But she was only thirteen. I was like, "You can, you don't understand it, but but you were taught that." And she would just like any honest kid. She just goes, "Yeah," and I go, "Yeah, you don't actually know any of that stuff, do you?" And I, I said, I said, now you understand. I said, I have a master's degree in theology, right? I've been highly educated. I'm also I'm an older guy, so I've gone through this. So I probably have a better sense of why I believe what I believe. I go, you were just taught that. She's like, yeah. I'm like, 
And I can recognize that what I was taught as a kid was the filter through everything I learned, you know? Right. And it's just, and it's about addressing the complexity, but you know, I mean, it's one of those things where when you're dealing with a guy like that, who's, you know, who's kind of the, he's going to send an email out to the fan. You're dealing with, now you're dealing with the complexity of how good the ego is at protecting right. that trauma that everyone's carrying. Most people that come into my pilgrimage are like, like this guy that said, oh, I'm just so tired of running. Yeah. And their, e- their ego is starting, they're, basically their ego is taking them as far as they can possibly go. And they're just stuck in that space going, yeah. I got nothing left. You know? Yeah, that was, that was me. I was at the end and I remember being, I remember being terrified when I was at White Raven Center and I'm there with Floyd and, I'm, and then I remember my ego just going bananas as he's laying me down and he's covering me with his blanket and blindfolding me and I'm thinking the devil's going to get me, the devil's going to get me kind of thing. And then all of a sudden I just went, you know what? I've tried everything. I've read every book. I've gone to every church group. I've done everything. Nothing's helped me. So if Satan's got a solution, have at it. Right. Great. I, and I actually, I, that was the process in my brain yeah. and I just let go. Yeah. And I had the most uh, powerful experience of the Holy spirit that I've ever had in my entire life. And of, of, right. in terms of the, the most powerful spirit that, that completely changed, utterly changed my entire life and my entire direction of my life yeah. because I let go, you know? Yeah. It's, surrender. Yeah. I actually, that was the same thing. I remember the thought that in my brain and I was in a panic. I'm laying on this mat and I went, God, I don't trust this guy and I don't trust myself, but I trust you. And I am just going right. to lay here and just release. Right. And of course, you know, then we find out, oh, spirit's a real thing. Like, yeah. What'd you so think okay, this is where it's interesting because we had, this is where the nuance of, there's a lot of people that are going where, where they'll come up against that fear and they, and they are saying, they will say that you and I are advocating and we are saying that Christianity or, or evangelical Christian theology is incorrect. Sure. We'll say that. And, and I think it's important. Well, ask me, ask me what my theology is. Let's just do a, what, what I believe yeah. in why. Say, what yeah. is your theology? Say, say, what is your atonement theology? Yeah. Okay. So Seth, so with all of this, say there, Hey, yeah. what is your theology then? What is my atonement theory? No, I don't even know what that is. What is your <laughs> What is my, don't use theology. big words on me. <laughs> tell me what is your, what do you believe? About what? Dude, stop messing with me. Just tell me what you believe about Jesus. I know, that's the same. What about Jesus? I believe Jesus was a man that lived 2,000 years ago. I believe that there are only two things we actually can historically substantiate about who Jesus was. I think that he was a Jewish man that was a rabbi, and he was killed on a Roman crucifixion cross. This we know. Everything else is not historically substantiated, but we have belief systems. Personally, I believe Jesus was very, ev- very similar to what we see in the evidence in the, in the Gospels, even though we can't possibly know those. I mean, most of them were written anywhere between, you know, 60 and 100 years after Jesus walked the planet. So what we're talking about, obviously, is an interpretation of who Jesus is. I believe Jesus now is, is a guide or an ascended spirit. I, I think I would refer to Jesus as an ascended master that actually is a teacher here on earth that, that moves and, and walks with us. So when Paul talks about Christ as a very present experience, I believe that Jesus actually is. But I believe Jesus was came to embody what's known as the Christ. I don't think Christ was Jesus' last name. I think it was a title. And of course, a Jewish person then would have understood this, that the Christ is someone who embodies the creative movement and force of God. And therefore, 
as he taught that we could all be in that same space. You know, I and the father are one, therefore you be one. I think he was saying that all of us are capable of embodying the Christ as he did. Okay, so you just destroyed evangelical theology. Yes, as, yeah. As a healing, I am. I am definitely not an evangelical Christian. Okay, yeah. so question, I am a Christian. Think, I would say I'm a Christian mystic. Okay, great. So in the okay. Celtic, in the Celtic tradition. Okay, so that is what you believe. Yes. Why do you believe it? Yes, I believe that partly through uh, I, I, when you go and go to seminary and you expose yourself to the the massive body of theological work that's been done over the last two to three thousand years. It is very difficult to hold to very simplistic theologies that were born, say, 250 to 300 years ago in, during the Enlightenment, which is where penal substitutionary atonement first became a formal theology. Right, so the, I have an exposure, and I went on pilgrimage to to Iona in, in Scotland. I I went. I've had an exposure to a tremendous amount of body work, which is helpful. But more than anything, my old theologies could not contain my experiences as I began to seek freedom. And so I came to what some would call rock bottom, where my belief systems had failed me. I wasn't experiencing peace, love, joy, mercy, kindness, freedom in any way, shape, or form. I was like you. I was suicidal. I was depressed. I was anxiety-ridden. I was infertile, and I was poverty-stricken. And that was my life. And when you come to that point where you can go, this is no longer, then you start to ask questions beyond that, and then you start to have experiences. Because if you seek, fine. If you knock, the door will be opened. And when that door got opened to me, my theologies didn't didn't work anymore, and I, I walked into seminary with my shattered theologies in my hand, going, "Can anybody help me with this?" You know, it's like a Vietnam War movie thing. You know, I think I can put it back in. You know, and I'm trying to, I'm trying to, somebody help me. You just quote Traffic Thunder. I did. Yeah. <laughs> I think I can put it back in. <laughs> Oh, man. Oh, my God. I'm walking in there. Don't get us laughing. Dave and I, we're not funny guys, but we can make each other laugh. Yeah. You know, yeah. Everybody's going, it's not funny. Yeah. But the idea is, is that there is a um, belief. We start to recognize after a while, belief is actually just a way of organizing your experiences. Mm-hmm. So most people believe what they believe because one, it works with their experiences. And two, um, it's what they were taught. No, sorry, my dog's scratching at the door. Come on, bud. It was what they were taught. So when you were taught that, and, and, and it helps to organize your experiences for a while, because as a child, the way you're forming as a kid, you know, your mom is telling you, you know, for, you know ask forgiveness for your sins, because if you don't, you're going to burn. And you're going, okay. And so your, your experience is you're scared of losing mom's love and affection. Right. So I do this kind of thing. I structure that and eventually it becomes this solidified if I, I am a sinner and I can get forgiveness and that is tied into a child's ability to gain the love and acceptance needed for mom and dad period mm-hmm. similar to the high level athletes that I deal with there's an unconscious sense that if I kick this ball really well I get the love mm-hmm. and that is a belief it's an unconscious belief but it's a belief and then the, and then as we are we're in the church all those years and those structures come around here's the actual belief system here's the orthodoxy and it helps us structure our way of being. Right. But again, our beliefs are held in these very complex ways in our consciousness. It's very iceberg-like. Right. 25% on top, 75% underneath, and that is how it's actually structured. As you find freedom, it is impossible to hold to a simplistic idea of an old white guy in the sky. Ah, okay. yeah, so, you so you are saying that there are theologies that are not compatible with healing if you're coming from an addiction space. Absolutely, hundred percent. 
And, and I think it's an, and, and honestly, the studies, I mean, if anybody's read the Barna study, if anybody's listening to this, Barna, a few years ago, a major oh, research group Barna? did B-A-R-N-A. Okay, Barna is a major, major research group. And this was funded by for churches for the most part, did a massive, massive study on porn and sex addiction in the Christian church across the country. Okay. It's a huge study. And, and the numbers were shocking. Okay. And, and so, it, it, I mean, it is not the problem. It's not a problem. It's the problem in the Christian church. And then the evidence is very, very clear. Our, our concept, concept of God and our theologies and our pain are inextricably linked. And if you deconstruct the God, your pain will have be affected. Maybe not healed, but it will be affected because you can certainly reconstruct into a different space. I can certainly go, okay, here's my, you know, here's my God. Now I'm just going to become a scientist or a, an atheist or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to, yeah. scientism is, is it just, is, I'm just going to convert over here. But sure. if you heal your pain, okay, you mess with the foundations of a building, it messes with the building. So you start healing your pain, it will not stay the same. It can't, it right. can't. You know, and, and, and sometimes they, they work in a dance with each other. I have clients come to me all the time. I had this girl last year. This is fascinating. She's, she's a soccer player. So, so to remind people, I work with a lot of athletes. That's a big part of my expertise and is working with anxiety in athletes. So I have this girl come to me. She's a soccer player at a small Christian college. And it's an Assemblies of God school. And they're in very, very, uh, you know, obviously I, it's a school I went to. So it's a very, very religious school. And she comes in and, and she's having a, uh, she has a, basically the problem was the coach who called me, he said she has a panic attack every day in practice. Mm. So she's got a point where she can't train. Wow. And so she just sits and reads a book, you know, during practice, you know, and I'm like, whoa, that's pretty intense. So I, I got into my first session with her and I asked her, I said, are, are you Christian? She said, yes. And you guys, you guys raised very religious. She goes, yeah. And I go, okay, can I ask you some questions about God? She goes, well, sure. And I go, do you, do you ask God to help you with this problem? Because it's torturing her at this point. I can't, she can't touch. I asked her, this is really fascinating. I said, at what point does the panic attack set on? Okay. I go, your first touch? She goes, um, it depends on when the first mistake happens. She goes, the first bad touch I take starts the process. On a soccer ball. A, yeah, yeah, on a, in, in training. So I go out, I make one mistake, and the ball starts rolling. Right. And pretty, pretty soon she's into that, and she goes, and then the, the, so the panic comes into her. And I said, uh, okay, I said, you ask God to help you with this? And she goes, yeah. And I go, well, what's he say? And she's like, um, he doesn't really say anything. <laughs> Simple, right? I mean, that's evangelical theology, right? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm having a major problem. It's here every single day. How do I deal with this? And she goes, he doesn't say anything. And I go, wow, that must be hard to be ignored that way. And she goes, uh, I, I try not to think about it. She's come to that point where it's like, I just have to ignore the fact that I keep asking and nothing's happening, which is the story of all the porn addicts, right? Mm-hmm. The idea is, you know, I, I say to her, I said, like, that must be really hard, you know, to, to be ignored that way. She goes, yeah, I try not to think about it. I say, can I ask you some questions about your God? And she goes, sure. And they go, um, is your God a, a man or a woman? And she goes, oh, it's both. And I go, oh, I go, listen, I know you're in a theology class right now. Don't tell me your theology answer. I go, when you pray, are you praying to a man or are you praying to a woman? I said, Jesus is a man. I go, right. I go, is, is it an old man or a young man? She goes, he's old. <laughs> She's looking down. Oh, the we're back there again. He's old. Yeah. And I go, how old? I go, like 50s, 60s? She goes, I'd say about mid-90s. I go, oh, wow, that's pretty, that's pretty old. That's pretty old. I go, um, facial hair? Yeah. He has a beard, doesn't he? Yeah. I was like, um, do you, 
is uh, your, is it a white man or a man of color? Because he's white. I said it very distinctly. <laughs> he's white. I go, you're right. I go, um, the last question I go, is your God up or down? She goes, what do you mean? I go, when you pray, do you pray up? Do you aim up? She was like, yes. You know? And then I just, she was sitting there and she was kind of in this like interesting, she's just looking at the ground and I lean in and I go, do you really believe that God, the creator of the universe, the Yahweh, the divine, is an old, in the mid-90s white guy with a beard in the sky? And she just goes, that seems kind of crazy. I go, <laughs> yeah. Dude, it was crazy. And here's this crazy thing. I go, I go, yeah. I go, now, does it maybe make sense now why that God's ignoring you? Because it's not real. And she goes, Wait, wait, say that again. Say that again. So does it make sense now that why that God's ignoring you? I said, it's not actually not real. And she goes, oh. and, I'm, and I'm not joking. I don't mean to freak people out. Right. But by the end of that session, she wasn't a Christian anymore. Right. Literally, within a few weeks, she was like, I'm not, I'm not that anymore. Right. And she'd been given this full freedom to discuss. Now, I, I did not set out to dismantle her religion. But you know what happened also within six weeks? Hmm. She was, she was back on the team. Right. By the end of my 12 sessions where the coach is like, I would have started her in the playoffs if she didn't have a senior playing in front of her. She was that good. She was my best player. Right. She had demonic entities. We, did, we, did, we, we had several demonic entities come out of her. We had integrated all these younger parts of her. She became whole. Right. It blew her mind. Her, her mom called me. Her mom didn't know about the religious stuff. Had no idea. Her mom called me and was like, you've given her our... I'm not going to say her name, but you've given her back to us. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. And I was like, I said, well, it's, God, it's, it's a, this is God. You know, it's, she's moving. She's learning how to move in her own spirit. Mm. And I wouldn't say that she's not, she, I think she probably believes in God more than she ever has. Right. But that theology, she's just going, I don't know. I, don't know, I ain't that. But all I know is once I was blind, now I see. See, that was, that was my experience yeah. too. Right. Yeah. It was that, that idea that um, now God is, and I remember, <laughs> I didn't write about this in the book, but it was about a month and a half after I had that first story, that first experience, and I was just floating on cloud nine. But I was also going through cancer. I was going through cancer treatment. Yeah, I remember that. At the same time, and I had these pastors come to from my church come to the house and want to pray with me. But all I wanted to talk about was all this freedom that I was having, and somewhat naively, you know, telling them the experience I was having, and. Uh, when they found out it was, it was through white Raven center that I was doing this therapy and um, they were really upset and red flags and no, no, this can't be real. It's coming because it had to be coming from the devil, but it wasn't coming from the church and it became this thing. And I remember just thinking, Oh wait, no, you, people don't under, they don't necessarily see it. Right. So I, what I want to do right now is I want to kind of leave the discussion there because it's easy for you and I is like, like um, it's easier. For you. Yeah. Can I, can I say one more thing? Yeah, yeah, go, go. Because remember, the topic is what we believe in why. Now, what's interesting okay. about it is that I went to seminary, okay, with all that confusion. Right. And it was given, hey, here's a new way, a new framework, and here's a better way of understanding it inside a Christian framework. Right. And then I went on pilgrimage to Iona, and I walked the ancient paths, and I found this ancient. But it was all structures, beliefs, and very distinctive theologies. And I have very distinct Christian theologies now that have their roots in ancient things way before any of these evangelical theologies. My, my, my theologies outdate what most evangelicals believe by a thousand years, right? But 
But, and so I still have very distinct belief systems, but I, but I found more than anything. It's just, but it, I hold, it's how we hold them. Sure. And that's what we're going to get into in the next episode, right? We're going to talk a little bit about the purpose of belief, but like the way I hold theology now, right. the way I hold my beliefs is very open-handed. It's very much, I'm just here and I am not under some stupid illusion that what I think, what I feel, and what I believe determines any truth. Right. Truth is something that's known by the seeing of it, by the hearing of it, by the feeling of it. It's known by its fruits. That tree is known by its fruits. They said in the scriptures, they will know we are Christians by our love. That's how they'll know. They won't know by our theologies. Right. So that's it. That's a, another pretty deep discussion. Here's, here's what's going to happen. A lot of you guys are going to have questions. A lot of you guys and gals. You people will have questions about these things. You can leave them in the comments in the YouTube page. You can email about it. You can go to the Facebook page, the My Pilgrimage Facebook group. And if you're not a member, you can join. And you can ask all the questions you want. This subject is a tough one for people because this subject um, just starts to strike right at the center. It starts to rock the foundations of kind of some of the things we think. And you have to understand, My Pilgrimage, we're not advocating for or against a belief system. And we're certainly not... And we're certainly not trying to get you to quit your religion. That is not why we're here. We're interested in one thing, freedom. Freedom from addiction, freedom from porn addiction, freedom from other addictions. That's what we're interested in. So keep listening. If you're interested, find the, the Feels Like Redemption books on Amazon.com. Find the My Pilgrimage Guidebook. Get into it. Get into your own stuff. Get into your own life. That's what we're doing here. That's what we're interested in. If you like what we're doing and you want to support it, you can go to the Patreon page. That's a, there's a link in the top right-hand corner at mypilgrimage.com, and you can subscribe to whatever you want just to support it. There's no pressure. You don't have to do that. We're just using that money to try and upgrade this podcast experience, the sound, and everything else. So, Thanks for joining us again this week. Next week, we're going to talk, episode four, we're going to talk about the function of belief. We're going to get even more into this stuff, and then we're really going to start healing. We're going to start working on the healing process. Thank you for coming. Um, again, leave a message, okay? Go over to the Facebook page. Don't be a stranger. And thank you for listening. See you next week.